What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. This week, we have Dan Barrett, and this was a fascinating conversation weaving through topics such as how a history teacher turns into an AdWords nerd, how he got out of his own way, growing his business, hiring, and so much more. It's a great conversation, and I can't wait for you to listen in. Let's check out what Dan has to say. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another great episode of the Get Out of Your Own Way Now Show. What you don't know about this episode, this is the third time of me trying to start this episode. We all make mistakes. Sometimes we just have to get out of our own way and start again. So I am joined today by uh, someone who's not my good friend, someone I just met, but I do believe, based on just the last few minutes of our conversation prior to this, that we could become good friends. And uh, his name is Dan Barrett. And um, I actually have no idea how I ended up getting into Dan's group. And we were just talking about this, but somehow I was in a group and he uh, focuses on helping real estate investors. And I was like, oh man, this is perfect. Obviously, I know many of you who listen and watch this are real estate investors. So I was like, I got to get this guy on my show. seems like he's got a lot going on. He has his own show. He's got his group. And uh, either way, regardless of that, I'm excited for him to be on here. He's a wealth of knowledge just based on the research I did it for him before I reached out to him. And I'm excited for you to be here, man. Thank you for being. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, dude. This was, I, I appreciate it. And that was a fire intro, the whole transition that everybody makes your mistakes. And you got to get out of your own way. That was, that was crazy good. So yeah, I'm, it's like, I'm excited. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Almost like I've done this before, right? Take it from half court. That was beautiful. So yeah, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm uh, pumped to be here. Yeah, dude. Okay. So uh, I know that you help people with AdWords um, and I'm sure many, many other things, but that's uh, a main focus. So tell me, tell us a little bit about your story. How'd you get started doing that? And, you know, we'll go from there. Yeah. So yeah, it's interesting. So I, uh, well, it's interesting to me. I don't know if it's interesting to everybody else, but whenever someone says their story is interesting, like, I think it's like 80% of the time, it's like crazy. Like, oh my God. And they're 20% of the time, they're like, are you just trying to make it interesting? So yeah, I'm going to think that you're probably part of the 80%. It's really interesting. So uh, I worked in a filing room for 40 years and now it's now. Uh, no. So <laughs> my, my story is basically, I, I kind of got to where I am a, a little bit accidentally. I, I was originally planning on being a history teacher. That was my career trajectory. So, you know, I went to school for history. I got my master's in history and education, and I was working in public schools. I worked in public schools for about 10 years. And during that whole time, the reason I was working in public schools, the whole reason that I, you know, besides loving teaching, which I do, um, the whole reason I chose that as a career path was I was a musician on the side. So I was playing in bands. I was, I was, you know, touring, was doing the whole thing, right. Trying to make it whatever that meant. And were so you a bassist, oh, I feel like you were a bassist. Oh, you have me pegged as a bassist. I am Either that or drums. It would have been my second guess. <laughs> no, no, okay. I'm primarily the, the singer and, but not very well. I want to, I want to express this very clearly that when I say I was a musician, I mean, mostly primarily in my head, but I enjoyed it. So, you know, I was, I was, I was trying to find a job that would allow me to do that and work. And so that's how I ended up in schools and love that and was pursuing that in the um, sort of progress or in the process of doing bands. Right. I, I had always kind of just ended up being the guy that had to print the shirts and run the merch table. And I was the, we needed a website. And it was back in the days where you, you had to code your own website. So I had to learn how to make a website. So I taught myself HTML and then I was trying to promote shows. So I was learning how to promote shows on MySpace and all that kind of stuff. Yes. It basically was like self-teaching this 
set of skills. And so when I was working in public schools, you know, I was out of college, still trying to do music and working in public schools, I started freelancing as a way to just make extra money. And, um, you know, just started building websites for local businesses, stuff like that. And then realized pretty quickly, I, I think I was one year into freelancing when I realized I was making more freelancing than I was, let's say, three years into being a full-time teacher. And I hadn't even gotten mm -hmm. a full-time teaching gig yet, right? So I was still student teaching and all this stuff. So I kind of just made the decision I was going to jump into this freelancing thing, see if I can make it work. Um, from there, what ended up happening was I knew I needed... I didn't know this. I would say about a year into working for myself, having my own business, I had this sort of deep sense that um, I didn't want to be a generalist, right? Like I wanted to specialize in something and I wanted to get really good at something because I could kind of look out and see, you know, like there are a million and one people that know how to build websites, right? Like you can get someone from Romania to build a website for $10. That's amazing, right? It's not even like bad websites, it's an incredible website. And um, I just kind of had this sense that like what people pay for is expertise. They pay for results. And if I want to get people really good results, I have to have um, I have to have like a, a, an advantage. Right. I have to know something that other people don't know. And, you know, I was like, well, how can I figure out something that some other people don't know? And I was like, well, I can go really deep on something that not a lot of people know much about. Now, at the time, I had one investor client that I'd just gotten totally randomly, this guy, uh, Dan Schwartz, who today runs um, InvestorFuse, which is like a CRM and uh, mm -hmm. marketing tool for investors, really smart dude. Um, he was in bands. I was in bands. We're roughly the same age. And so we really connected. He was like my favorite client. And he was he was doing really well. I was running ads for him in Baltimore and got getting really good success. And so I was like, I know I need to pick a like a niche or something, but I couldn't decide what to pick. And so, you know, I was like, well, maybe what Dan does, but I couldn't really pull the trigger. So I ended up paying $10,000 to fly to this Tony Robbins business event. And I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to spend, there was more money I'd ever spent on anything. Right. I think I bought my car for like $700 or something. Tony's business mastery event. Yeah. Business mastery. Right. I had never been to a Tony Robbins thing before. I was like, I'm going to go here. And I was like, what I, all I want to figure out is what is, what is my focus going to be? And I, I didn't know much about Tony Robbins stuff. Um, but I knew that I was like, they make you dance. That's like all I'd heard about it. Like you have to dance. And I was like, I don't dance. You're not making me dance. Like I was like, Tony Robbins will have to fight me. Right. That was like my attitude going into this thing. So I sat like all the way in the back. Like, you know, we were like high school and you sit all the way in the back of the bus. So I sat all the way back in the back row. And they end up like, what they do is they put you in teams. So you're like in teams with all the people that sit next to you. And, uh, three people sitting next to me ended up being real estate investors. And uh, I told them my whole thing. I was like, I need to decide what I want to do. And they were like, just work with real estate investors. Real estate investors always need leads. You're always going to have business. So I just decided like, that's what I'm, that's what I'm doing from here on out. That's what I do. And so ever since that day, uh, real estate investors have been my only clients. I specifically, even within that kind of world, we focus on motivated seller leads and in the beginning was just AdWords. You know, it was just me doing Google ads. Um, since then, we were a team of nine now. Um, we do Google ads, Facebook ads, Bing ads. We do SEO. It's basically like anything online that you can do to get motivated seller leads. We do it. 
And um, it has been uh, a really incredible and fulfilling and fun journey. I, I'm very lucky that I made that decision when I made it um, because I was able to get into that field before there were many people in it. Like when we started doing Google ads, very few investors did Google. I mean, it, it seems weird to say it now. This is not that long ago. I mean, we're talking about seven or <laughs> eight years ago, but it's just it, 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 investors tend to kind of be a little bit behind the curve when it comes to online marketing. And so totally agree. I got to do original research and I, I got to figure things out for the first time. There wasn't anybody to ask. Um, there wasn't like a dominant strategy. There wasn't a dominant list of keywords. There wasn't um, a bunch of like a, a set blueprint that everybody was following. I got to make it up and that was incredibly fun. And um it's carried me all the way through till today, and I, I still love what I do. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm very 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 lucky to get to do exactly what we do. Okay, so I have a, a bunch of questions. Well, first of all, I'm actually going to be attending my first business mastery event with Tony Robbins in a couple of weeks. Yeah, um, so I'm excited. I've been I've been to UPW, so I've done that. My yeah. business partner Gigi is actually uh, just got promoted. She's now a trainer, so she's one of those people leading those groups um, through there. So she's like hardcore into Tony, and is like, "We're you're going to business mastery." I was like, "Okay, cool." Um, so I'm excited to go. I, I mean, I was actually more excited to go to to um, just to get out of the the freaking house and go, yeah. but that's not happening anymore. Now it's virtual, which it'll still be fun, but it's just not the same thing. Is it an in-person event? No, it was supposed to be. Um, and then it was going to be in Arizona. And then they were like, no, nah, after, after everything got crazy the second time around, they were like, no, we're, we're going virtual. So yeah. they, um, he was nice enough. What they, what they did is they're making it virtual and then they're giving us a ticket to use within the next year to go to another one when it can be live, hopefully. Um, cool. So it it's should a be great, good. Great event. I, I, I mean, um, you know, I've, since then, I was at Date with Destiny as well. And so I've done kind of the more general Tony Robbins stuff. I, I think, um, and I, I like Tony just in general, and I like his material or whatever. I think Business Mastery specifically is a very, very good program. Like you, you, you could say what you want about Tony Robbins. Um, I'm not one of these people that's like a Tony Robbins diehard. I think there can be a lot of criticisms of kind of how he works and his materials or whatever. I think the business mastery stuff, if you look at business trainings, equivalent business training, stuff like that, it's very hard to find people that do it on the level that he does it in such a short period of time. So I, you know, they give you like a giant workbook or whatever. I still go through mine. That was seven years ago, eight years ago. Right. And nice. I, it, it's, it's hard to, you know, I can maybe list on one hand the the stuff that's had that kind of level of impact specifically on uh, how I do business. So yeah, I think I think you're going to love it. And that's that's my. I don't I don't get a referral free from Tony right. And uh, shut up and take will, my money. <laughs> yeah, I will never forget, man. They, I always say too, like one of the, one of the ways that I love to learn is. Um, you know, you, you learn from books, you learn from people that are deliberately trying to teach you something, but you can also learn a lot just by watching someone who's really good at what they do, do what they do. Right. And so I remember when I went through their sales process the first time, this is back before I really had a business, right? It was just me. I never spent $10,000 on anything, right? The thought of doing that was terrifying. And I was newly married at the time and I was going to have to put it on a credit card. I didn't have any debt and all this stuff. And it was this whole huge thing. And I will never forget, I'm on the sales call with their salesperson 
And I'm like, oh, you know, I just don't know. It's so much money. And I hate being in debt. I hate putting things on credit cards. And, you know, I really got to talk to my wife about this. And the, <laughs> the other line, the guy, the sales guy was like, he's like, okay, you're going to talk to your wife. And I was like, yeah, it's like, okay, let's role play that conversation. Let me walk you through what to say. And he like gave me all <laughs> neuro linguistic programming stuff to use on my wife. And I was like, in my head in that moment, I was like, one, I'm not saying that any of this to my wife. My wife is very smart. She can make her own decision. But then two, it's like the thing I took away from that was he was right there. He was like, they were like, sure, let me walk you through that. Let you, we are on a team together. Right. Like, and I was like, I just took away like this real sense of how they do sales and everything. And so, yeah, you'll, you'll love it. It's going to be, it's going to be fantastic. Perfect. So let me ask you this, you know, you, you decide to drop 10 grand on an event, having never done this before. You're, you're facing that, like, I don't want to put it on my credit card, but I'm going to have to, like you said, you were kind of scared at the moment. Mm-hmm. What made you finally pull the trigger on, on doing that? Like, was it, was it something in your mind that clicked? Was it, tell me more about that. Yeah. So I'm, um, I think that one of the primary ways I, differ from other people in terms of how I make decisions. And I'm not saying that this is, this is not a case of the way I make decisions is better than other people, right? At all. I don't don't think it's superior necessarily, but one of the things I think I am very good at is I think I'm very self-aware. And so one of the things I am self-aware of is that I tend to get stuck in analysis paralysis a lot, right? I'm very in my head, very thinking in circles. I'm not that smart if I'm being really honest. So it's like, if maybe if I was like really brilliant, I could like pierce through the veil of complexity or whatever. But like, I just, I, that's not what happens, right? I'm just saying like, look at my track record, right? It's like, I tend to get stuck in these kind of things. But I also know that if I am sort of plateauing at any given point in my life, right? Whether it's my body or my relationships or my business or a particular strategy, or I'm trying to achieve something and I'm stuck at a, at sort of a, a ceiling, right? Which is what I, where I was at in my business at that point, right? I was making maybe like $30,000 a year. I could not get past that point. And I knew for a fact, I was like, I do not have the tools I need. I, I just don't know how to get past this point. Clearly I need to do something different than what I'm doing, but I don't know what it is. Right. So at that point, kind of you're at this situation where it is the lack of making a decision. There is a huge opportunity cost to it, because like usually the way we think about it is, well, if I choose this, I incur this cost or if I choose this over here, I incur this other cost. But opportunity cost is where I'm not choosing anything and I'm losing money. Like I was literally thinking about it, like I'm losing money every single day. I do not make a decision to go in one direction or the other. Right. So I I knew for a fact, just knowing myself, if I just sit in my office and try to make this decision, I'm going to go around in circles and go around in circles and I'm not going to commit. So one of the things that I know really works for me is a commitment device. And a commitment device is basically like you say, like, I'm putting this thing in place that is going to force my hand. Right. In, In like behavioral psych. Right. If you're trying to build a habit. You can, um, you know, there are all these websites where you say like, okay, I'm going to lose 10 pounds by March. And if I don't lose 10 pounds, you know, I'm going to give you $10,000 of my money. 
I'm going to give it to you ahead of time. And if I don't lose 10, you know, 10 pounds, I want you to donate it to the Ku Klux Klan or I want <laughs> you to donate it to whoever you hate, right? The person you hate the most. And it's like that commitment device and knowing that you have this thing out there that's over you forces you to stick with it more than if you just sort of rely on your own willpower. Well, I, I just know this about myself. I need that kind of thing for a certain kind of decision. So for me, the way I was looking at it was I was like, look, I'm incurring far more than $10,000 in opportunity costs. Cause I believe I could, you know, at that point, my goal was, you know, a hundred thousand dollars a year. Well, you know, I'm like, okay, well, I'm only at 30. So I'm incurring a $70,000 a year opportunity cost by not committing to one thing or the other and breaking through the ceiling. That's far more than the actual monetary cost I'm going to spend to put into this commitment device is going to force me to do it. And I went to that event with the idea that I'm not leaving. It was in Florida. So I was like, I'm not, I literally wrote down, I was like, I am not leaving Florida without a clear target market and a clear strategy for how I'm going to move forward. Right. So to me, that was worth way more than 70,000. And it's like the idea of, look, I put $10,000 on a credit card. Now I have to make the money to pay it off and I have to make the decision. Otherwise, I'm going to feel like a jerk. And so, you know, one of the sort of fundamental philosophies I bring, what, you know, to marketing or how I run my business or how I run my life or how I think about, you know, the different things that I do. I'm always thinking about what are my natural limitations, my natural bottlenecks, the things I know I'm not good at, and how do I put systems in place to overcome them, right? Like I never want to rely on myself to overcome a natural sort of limitation. And I, I, I think that largely the reason that I've been as successful as I have been or the company's been as successful as it has been is because I don't try to like overpower my weaknesses or I don't try to like, you know, pretend that they're not there. I acknowledge them. And then I put, I build in systems that just make them irrelevant. Um, so that was how I made that decision. And it's been a, it's been a mental model that I use over and over and over again. I'm literally doing it now. I gained like 20 pounds when we went into quarantine. Because <laughs> my, wife was, my wife was like looking for a hobby. So she started baking bread and it's like, I don't know if you've, like I had never really eaten like homemade bread before. It's amazing. It's like the best thing that's ever existed. You, I can't go back to regular bread now. She's making like loaf after loaf after loaf of homemade bread. And it's amazing. So I gained like 20 pounds, right? Cause I'm stressed. <laughs> and, and so, um, you know, I was like, look, I know I have the tools to control my own weight. You know, I've like weighed all my food and measured my macros. And I've got spreadsheets and I know how to do this. I know how to do this, but I just was not doing it. Right. And so I, I just knew I was like, I need to hire a coach. And the reason I need to hire a coach is, yes, the coach is smarter than me. They're going to give me advice, yada, yada, yada. All that's great. But the real reason I'm hi hiring a coach is because if I have to pay someone $100 a week, I'm going to do what they say, because otherwise I'm going to feel like I'm getting ripped off. And right. so then I lost 20 pounds. Right. So it's like I'm like, I just know that that's how I operate. And once you're clear about that kind of stuff with yourself, whether it's that or something else, um, I just find that life goes so much easier and uh, so much smoother. So I hope that makes sense. No, that's perfect. That's perfect. And I, lo I love that, the idea of a commitment device. Um, I've, I've heard similar constructs before, but never put like that. And I think that's a, when we think about it as almost like a physical thing, you know, and it, 
because you know may not it may not necessarily always be a physical thing but when we when in our mind if we picture it as this physical thing that i'm giving away and i'm not going to get it back unless i achieve or make this decision or or whatever it is i think that um I think that's very helpful. At least for me, it would be. And I'm imagining for a lot of people either listening or watching this right now, they're going, oh yeah, like, like you know, you know how, especially like, okay, di- like let's take digital delivery of like a course or something like that, right? They yeah. always still show like the boxes and the DVDs and the laptop. It's like, you're not getting any of that. It's literally a login <laughs> to a website, right? But <laughs> and it's for us as humans, there's like- CDs, so I'm like, oh, 10 minutes of content on every one of these CDs, like how much? Right? Yeah. Um, or, or you know what I also, I find very amusing is I was, um, some marketing course I was watching, um, I think it might have been Alex Sharfin, maybe um, the he works with Ty Lopez and uh, yeah. all that. They're like, yeah, I think it was him. Maybe not. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Uh, anyways, he's like, yeah, we were selling this course. Like we were giving it away for free and I couldn't give it away for free because no one wanted it. But then I changed it to pay $10 for this USB drive. And we sold like a hundred thousand USB drives. And he's like, wait, what? <laughs> and it's like, sometimes just having that physical thing. So I love the idea yeah. of, making a commitment like even even again even if it's not actually physical but like the idea of like the visualization of that i think that's perfect yeah i mean it's it the the kind of underlying psychological principle right it's it's a deep one you know you can think about well literally i was just reading um i sort of going going back through a variety of things at any given time so i've just been reading rereading this guy triggers by joe sugarman which is a great sort of copywriting book um but one of the things he talks about, he talks about commitment devices in terms of like old school mail order marketing, right? One of the things I used to do is like, you'd be like, okay, like they would send out a mailer and it'd be like, okay, well, you know, whatever the thing is, I forget what it is. Let's say it's a CD player or something. And you would have like a little CD and you would have to pull out the little CD thing and then put it in the, you know, if you want the pink one or the blue one, and you would like take it out and put it in the one that you wanted and then seal it and send it back. <laughs> the whole thing of, these little actions that commit you to a broader decision, right? And we tend to act um, in alignment with what we view as our past decisions, right? So I'm like, if I'm the kind of person that pays for a business mastery, I'm the kind of person that pays for a fitness coach, you start to find that your daily behaviors start to align more with your identity of a person who does those things, right? So it's a powerful it's a powerful thing and um, you know, you can use it in your marketing or you can use it on yourself. Um, but yeah, it's helped, it's helped me a lot. I love that we can take something as like selling a CD player and relate it back to our mindset and making decisions. That's, it's kind of interesting to me that how, how that all comes together when you, when you actually think about it. It's all the same um, stuff, man. You know, it's all human behavior at the bottom. And um, yeah, I just find it endlessly fascinating. It's why marketing is fascinating to me because in the end it's just about, how can I understand people the best and what makes people tick? And uh, people who are good at marketing tend to be really, really good at understanding that, which is interesting to me. That's perfect. So I want to go back just a little bit further into your story. So you were initially going to be a history teacher mm-hmm. and you were you know, doing student teaching and you started this as more as a side gig to just to help out. So what, you know, obviously you said, that you were making more money and that's part of it. But most teachers that I know at least, um, and, and I probably know about a dozen or so teachers in my life, um, like that are good friends. Yeah. Um, none of them chose teaching because of the money. They chose teaching because it was a passion. They wanted to give back. They wanted to educate so, something else. It was never about the money. Cause let's be real. Teachers don't make a lot of money in general. Mm-hmm. So 
I'm guessing that the money wasn't the only factor for you moving over. Maybe it was just a, a bigger motivator at the time, but you know, did you find it difficult to make the decision to to leave something that I would assume that you were passionate passionate about doing and making that change, or, or was that was it easy because you're like, no, nah, no, nah, money's not there. I'm I'm going over here. That's <laughs> yeah, like I was like I got into teaching for money, <laughs> and it's not here. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, yes, it was at the time. It was a very tough decision. Um, made a little bit easier by the fact that I, I just got married and I knew I had a kid on the way. So that, that sort of did a little bit for me, but yeah, it was very tough, man. You know, the thing I found the hardest was, um, was sort of losing the relationships with the kids. Mm. That was really the thing that I, um, that was the thing that, that sort of held me back the most. Um, you know, in terms of the actual work, I, th I think I realized that what I loved, I, you know, from it, it's taken me a while to realize this, but I've really come to think that like, so what I do with the agency, right. And what I was doing in history class and what, I, what I do in music or in creative stuff. Right. Or even now, like I started a side project where I teach, or I don't even teach, but like I write about, you know, mental models and write about productivity and write about sort of like more philosophical stuff. Right. And so that's like my current kind of like side writing project, like all of those things use the same muscles, right. For me, it, what it is, is trying to deeply understand something and then build something new out of it. Right. So the thing that I loved about teaching history was this idea of, I'm going to take a historical event or a trend or a time period, and I'm going to reconstruct it in such a way or express it in such a way where you are going to be able to pull out some sort of core lesson from it, right? And so um, like the, the first class that I really got to, to design and teach on my own was African-American experience. Because of course, who better to teach the African-American <laughs> I, you know, I'm getting a sunburn right now in my office as the sun comes through the window. So, you know, perfect. But, um, you know, but, but I was teaching this to a class that really had no, you know, footing in African-American history at all. And so, you know, I got to really design that course and I got to think about what, what, what am I trying to get across? What do I want to say about this? What's important to know? What's important for them to know in order to understand what's happening today, right? And so making those decisions and building a curriculum and building the lessons and then delivering the lessons, um, I was... Um, of the mindset and still am that like, especially for younger kids, or I was teaching high school level at the time, but you know, that age group, the, the manner of delivery is really important. So I would structure my lessons like movies and I would be like, start with a hook and then leave them hanging until the end. Right. It's the same way you write like a marketing email. This is what I'm saying. It's like, it's all the same stuff. It's exactly the same way you write a song. It's like, what's the hook? How do you get, how do you suck someone in? How do you keep them to the end? What's the thing that like the little thing that like turns the screw at the end, right? That's, that's the stuff that I love in every medium, whether it's art or, you know, it's a TV show or it's a painting or it's this element of deep understanding and surprise and learning something and all these things. And so what I kind of learned was when I started working in the business, the 
act of learning marketing and learning how to run business for the first time and building it scratched the same itch for me, right? So, so I was fulfilled that way. I lost the relationships with the kids. And I, I think it took me several years to figure out that that was an important thing for me. But, you know, because I was just like everybody else, man, like I'm, I'm learning more about myself as I go. And so I, it, as I've, um, as the business has grown, I've incorporated more and more teaching into my work. So I coach investors. We don't just do marketing for investors. I also teach what I do to investors. We literally take what the agency does every day. We take the latest version of everything that we test and I teach it to investors every single day, right? I teach people how to do that, which is really fun. It's like, how do you teach a non-technical person to do technical marketing, right? I love that, right? Like I started this uh, side project um, called Better Questions. And it's like, it's a weekly email and it's about, you know, a different mental model or a different way of seeing the world. And that, that's not real estate investing related at all, but it's how do I teach this kind of deep idea um, or an idea that I'm really fascinated by, right? And how do I get it across to people that don't have, maybe didn't read the same thing I read or didn't have the same experience I did, right? So for me, I, I think I've, as I've gotten older, I've come to learn that like what I love and what I love to do is, I love to go deep on some kind of field of knowledge, really read a lot, really learn a lot, really study, pull out the big ideas and then connect them in a, in a way that maybe people haven't seen before. And that's what I loved about teaching. It's what I love about the agency. It's what I love about um, writing. It's what I love about music. And so, yeah, it was an easier transition than I thought it would be. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not something that I planned really. It just kind of happened that way. Cool. So as you were making that transition and you're thinking about moving moving over and you said, you know, it was very difficult. Um, one of the questions I, I would have is, you know, was there a moment in time at which you said, you know, you made the decision? I mean, how did it take a long time for you? Like, was this like over months, years? Or was it over like one night you were like, nope, this is, what, this is where I'm going. I'm, I'm doing this now. It definitely wasn't overnight. It, it sort of, um, I think I said before, right? Like I'm not the most decisive decision maker, right? Typically. And so it was the sort of thing where I was looking for a job teaching. I was having trouble finding one. So things were kind of dragging on and I was, you know, I was having more success working for myself and finding that I enjoyed it more. And then, you know, the summer came. And so it was more the thing of, well, I'm just going to stop looking for jobs and I'm not going to go back in the summer and I'm going to see how this goes. So, you know, the other thing was I was very lucky at the time. My wife was very supportive. You know, she was like, go for it. Um, so, you know, I had someone in my corner that was um, very supportive of me and sort of maybe believed in my ability to do it before I did. Right. Because I don't have a business background. Business is not was never my thing. Right. Um, what I'm really good at is learning. This is really all I'm good at, right? Like all I'm good at is learning stuff and connecting pieces. And hopefully I'm good at expressing that. Um, but I'm not like a natural, you know, like I don't have a head for numbers, like all this stuff I've had to learn. And in, in a lot of ways, what I tell people is that's actually the reason that I think people should work with me. Like if you're, if I'm, you, you know, you're asking like, well, why should I let you coach me? Or, you know, why should I work with the agency or whatever? I'm like, Nothing we've ever done is built on raw talent. Everything we have built and every result that we get is the result of learn, test, repeat, literally everything. 
So it's like test every ad, every keyword, every strategy, because I don't know, like the only thing I've really learned over all these years, like the, the sort of most profound lesson that I keep learning over and over is every time I think I've got it down, I learn that I'm wrong. So more than anything, I'm just like, let the data show us what to do. I don't rely on my instinct or intuition. We're not the kind of company where it's like, we've got, you know, the star copywriter and, you know, they're the one that blah, 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 blah. It's like, no, we just grind it out. We just grind it out by a numbers game. Yeah. Interesting. And so has that, has that ever, you know, with, with everything that you're doing when you're talking to clients, do you ever find your, your ego or pride getting hurt by saying, you know, I, you know, I don't know everything and I have to kind of just test numbers and figure it out. Does that ever, do you ever find yourself in that situation? Uh, no. Well, so I actually, well, let me rephrase that. Um, I think everybody has that tendency. I mean, it's, it's, it's easy to be like, look, look like AdWords nerds, the name of the agency, right? We've, we've been at least in terms of doing Google ads, probably the biggest agency in the space for a while. Right. And we've had a lot of success and a lot of experience and yada, yada. And it would be very easy to say, well, we're the best. We know what we know. And, you know, sometimes we'll, you know, members of the team will say that. Right. Like, well, they don't know what they're talking about. We know what we're talking about. Right. Because we've done it a million times. And the thing that I always say um, or the thing I try really hard to do in my own life is I try to cultivate um, a deep joy in the act of being proven wrong. Cause if I find out that I'm right about something, I am no smarter than I was yesterday. But if I figure out that I'm wrong, I just got smarter. I, I now know that I was carrying around a piece of false information. I thought something about the world that was not true. And now I know that. So I am now smarter. I'm more effective. I'm more capable. And I only get that. The, the only way you get that is by figuring out that you were wrong. So for me, I'm like, no, like we, we, we test everything. I, I will test anything because I never want to rely on a sense of authority or my experience or my longevity or whatever. I, I, I either want to be right or wrong and I, I want to be proven it. So it's like one of the things I always tell my team is like when, when anyone comes to work with me, there's this big doc we have of like company principles. And one of them is I want bad news all the time. I'm like, you, you, you never have to be afraid about my ego. You don't have to be afraid about my feelings. I want to be told that my ideas are stupid. I want to be told that my plans will not work. And I'm like, you would say all that. Just, I want you to prove it. You want to say it, prove it. And if you can prove it, I will like pay you a bonus, right? I'm like, I'm extra money because that's how I get better. And, um, you know, it's one of these things where I see it over and over and I think it's very, very human where you have success and you just sort of, in, you know, we're all taught by our experiences. And so what worked in the past will work in the future. But the only constant of human life in general is that the world is extremely complex. No one knows what's coming down the pipe. And so we always have to be ready to uh, reassess our beliefs, right? Like I think it's... Um, I'm trying to think if it's a, who said this, but there's a, this thing, it's like strong beliefs, but loosely held is kind of the motto. And so it's like, I, I will very strongly defend what I believe in, but I'm ready. If you, if I think that you're proving me wrong, I will change my opinion in a heartbeat and I don't care who knows it. And I'm not embarrassed by that at all. So um, hopefully, you know, that's the ideal that I'm always trying to hold myself to. 
I'm like anyone else, man, I'm not perfect. So there are times when I let ego get in the way, but if there's anything that I can point to is like, Hey, this is an engine for success. It is cultivating a deep joy and being proven wrong. I think that's really important. That's, that's huge. And I think that's super powerful. I know something I, I've had a number of conversations, um, both about myself and others about, you know, ego and, and, and how ego can drive decisions. And sometimes it's, it's great. It gets you those results, but sometimes it's actually the, the catalyst for your failures that causes it because you, you can't, you got blinders on when you have it and you don't, you don't always see that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So that's awesome. Okay. So you said you have nine people on the agency now you've mm -hmm. been, and growing that team and plugging people in. Um, one of the things that I always get asked a lot or at least see from many of you watching and listening or have asked me is when you, when you made that jump from just you by yourself to hiring that first employee and maybe that second employee and, you know, maybe even so with the ninth employee or, you know, eighth, I don't know how you're counting yourself in that nine or not, but either way, um, was was there struggle for you in saying, hey, like letting things go? How did you get out of your own way in, in bringing people on and, and tr having trust, especially if you're such a I'm, I'm going to make an assumption here um, that if you're such a data driven person um, and you're you're in there and you're creating, sometimes it can be very difficult for people like that to let things go um, mm. and trust someone else to do that. Was that the case for you? And if so, how did you get out of your own way to do that? Yeah, well, I think my 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 biggest difficulty was related, but a little different in the sense okay. that I my sort of again we'll talk about self awareness, right? Like one of my biggest personality flaws forever since I was a little kid is I only want to work on what I want to work on, right? So it's like when when I was learning to play guitar, I only wanted to learn how to play one by Metallica, and I didn't want to learn scales. Right. I'm like, I, I still don't know how to play scales or like I barely know how to tune my guitar. Like I'm a moron because I didn't. I'm like, I don't want to work on that. I only want to learn the cool stuff. Right. And I've been like that my whole life. Right. I'm like, I just I get D's in every class except the ones I'd get interested in. I get A's. Right. And like when I went to college, I got really good grades because I could actually choose the courses I wanted to study. Right. So all of a sudden, I, you know, I'm motivated. Totally that, by the way, I was the same, same, same for me. It's I actually, I actually failed out of school because I got, I was, I was hated what I was doing. And then when I went back and was actually doing things that I wanted to do, I was like killing it. Yeah. All of a sudden you're like valedictorian and it's like, well, now I'm interested in it. Right. And so, and that's a very, I think that's a very common like entrepreneurial personality trait, but it's something that I recognize as a weakness because it's like, Hey, guess what? Learning scales is kind of important, right? You're supposed <laughs> to it's the foundation of everything else. And I couldn't connect the dots back in the day. So, um, what ended up happening was when I started to hire, first of all, I, I will admit this. And, uh, you know, I got very, very lucky because my very advanced hiring process was I went on Facebook and says, does anybody need a job? And then hired like the first person who commented. So and that person's still with me, still with me to this day. So it's wow. like I, I'm, I got very lucky. I, I will admit that. Um, but, um, and in fact, we've only ever lost a single person. It, pretty much everybody that I hired sticks around. But, um, the thing that, that I, the lesson I really needed to learn, and it's a lesson that I still struggle with. I'm still internalizing this even today is, um, because I only want to work on what I want to work on. I tend to kind of like believe that everyone has the same capacity that I do. So I'm like, okay, cool. Hey, oh, Bob, I'm so glad you joined the team. 
here's a bunch of work, figure it out, see you later. And then I bounce to go work on what I want to work on, right? And what ends up happening is people are like, but what, but how do I, and I'm like, see you later. And I just like, <laughs> like driving away, right? And so I tend to delegate too much and sort of be a little too hands off. If anything, that's, that's going to be the pattern. And so I need to remember that not everybody has the same set of capacities that I do, right? I'm very self-driven. I don't like people that tell me what to do. I would much rather you just give me a problem and let me solve it on my own. Whereas other people are like, hey, I don't want to mess this up. So can you tell me how you want it to be solved? Because the flip side of that is like, well, if you say, I don't want to tell people how to solve the problem, you can't then say, well, you solved the problem in the wrong way, right? You have to accept whatever they do. So it's, that management part of the team, again, it's it's not a strength of mine. It's something that I, I constantly try to work on and, and adapt and and learn. Um, but it's it's been really rewarding in the same time because it's it's kind of like being proven wrong, right? The 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 big gains I've made in my life, um, you know, obviously you've got to maximize your strengths, right? You pick one or two strengths, you really maximize them. And I, I feel like I'm trying to do that, but you can make a lot of progress just by taking your worst skill set and making it just not terrible, right? And so I'm like, I just need to be a not terrible manager. And I feel <laughs> like I'm getting there, right? I'm not great, but I'm like, I'm not the worst. And um, yeah, so that's that's been the journey there. It's, it's really interesting. You know, I, I really admire people who are amazing managers. It is an incredibly rare skill set. If you are good at that, good at running a team, that is worth its weight in gold. And luckily, our operations director, uh, who is, again, someone who I hired <laughs> very offhand because he's my youngest brother. I was like, you need a job? He's like, yep. And I was like, there you go. You mean my operations director with like no knowledge <laughs> on professional situation whatsoever. I just remember the time that like I beat him up when he was two years old or whatever. Um, but he has turned out to be an incredible manager, right? Like firm but fair, incredibly dedicated, incredibly hardworking, data oriented, really great at relating to employees and clients. Like you couldn't ask for a better person. And so, uh, you know, I wish I had better advice for for hiring other than uh, every single time that I've hired and it's worked out, I've hired based on the personality of the person, right? I'm just like, there's a person I vibe with, a person that I, I intuitively trust, a person that seems to have a really good work ethic and everything else they tend to figure out. So, you know, I'm, I'm more lucky than anything for sure. But if that's, that's been my takeaway from that experience. Yeah, so, but it sounds like you're trusting your gut more or less. You're saying, hey, like the, the gut's telling me this is the direction to go. And it's not always going to work out. Like you said, you've had to let one person go and it might've been for any number of reasons, but at the same time, it's worked out for the majority. And I think that's huge. I think too often people don't listen to their gut. They say, well, I've, and, and I think maybe even more so when they have a, a system or a process that they're following. They're like, well, the system says this person's going to be good, you know, but my gut says they're not, you know, I think that can actually work against them in many cases. Yeah. I think we, we have a real depth of intuitive knowledge that we tend, especially someone like me, right? Like I tend to be very analytical. I, t- I tend to try to think through everything very rationally. It's very easy to talk over that intuitive side of yourself, but for, you know, it's one of these things where, your first impression of somebody, if you're really, if you're really trying to get an impression of someone's character and you come away from like your first impression with them, like not great. It's, I think, I think there's a lot to that. 
And I, I think we have evolved over time to have a pretty fine-tuned sense of one another. And like you said, like we, we, we were chatting before this for a couple of minutes. We kind of immediately caught on, right? Like I wasn't like, Bob's weird. I don't know about Bob. <laughs> I was like, cool, we're joking around. We're just talking about whatever. We weren't talking about anything super serious. But it's like, hey, like you and I just kind of have a sense like, okay, cool. You are my kind of people, right? And like maybe we get along, maybe we don't. But I don't secretly think you're a serial killer or anything like that. And I think Excellent. there's- Excellent. <laughs> working. Yeah, it's exactly what you say. But, you know, but it, it's, I, I think there's more to that than people give it credit for. 100%. Awesome. Well, I know we're uh, we're approaching our time here that we have. So first of all, I appreciate you being on. It's been a great conversation. I know uh, very fascinating for me and hopefully for each and every one of you watching or listening. Uh, so Dan, if people want to connect with you or check out what you got going on, where can they find you? Yeah. So um, if you are interested in the real estate investing marketing side of what I do, that's adwordsnerds.com. So A-D-W-O-R-D-S nerds.com. You find out all about our company. We do um, strategy sessions, basically like a full hour with the team. Um, it's totally free. We'll kind of break down the exact strategy we would use in your market specifically. It's a really, really valuable call. So um, jump on there and we're happy to talk to you. And if you're more interested in kind of like the mental models, kind of philosophical piece, um, I write a weekly email. It's one email a week about mental models, productivity, and more called Better Questions, and that's at betterquestionsemail.com. I would love for people to check that out as well. Perfect. Well, thank you again for being on. As always, for each and every one of you watching or listening, please make sure you subscribe, rate, and review this show or podcast. Um, truly appreciate you listening in. Hopefully, you're finding a lot of value in this. I know I always am, and I have gotten a number of comments from a lot of you that have, and the, the reviews that I've seen so far says it as well. So I truly appreciate you taking your time and committing to this because your time is your most valuable asset, and the fact that you spend it here with us means a lot to me, and I'm sure to Dan as well for listening. So thank you so much. As always, guys, if you need show notes or anything else like that, you can grab them on the site directly. Otherwise, we'll see you on another show next week. Thanks so much. Bye. This podcast is sponsored by Three Degrees Consulting. If you need funnels, websites, paid ads management, or help with any of your digital marketing, Three Degrees Consulting is your go-to source for everything. Check them out at www.go3dc.com. That's G-O, the number three, D is in degrees, C is in consulting.com. Go check them out right now. <laughs>